if you ever want to join us on Tuesday night, you guys got a heart, we, we pray for you. So many of you, um, in fact, we have the new church app. You can actually download River City Church app on your phone. And there's a spot on there. You can hit prayer request, and you can send a prayer request, and it gets emailed to the church right away. And so Tuesday night, we open up, we look at it, and we pray for you. So, Or you can just snail mail, call in. But, but we're praying. There's people here praying for you. You're not fighting alone. And so we were kind of just praying and interceding, asking God to, to move in different situations, move in our community. And as we're praying, and I was just kind of walking around, I just got the picture of, of the walls of Jericho, that old Bible story. And some of you maybe knew, not know that story. We're going to get into it a little bit. There was this big epic battle in the Bible. That came to my mind. And God reminded me that in that battle, it wasn't the people who won the battle. It was God's presence. It was God's spirit. God was the one who completely removed the obstacle. And, and I, the sense I got was God saying, I don't just want to overcome the issue, but almost like God was saying, I want to come straight down in the middle. The, the city that got taken, it was like in a, it was an old ancient city, so it was in a circle, had high walls. And just the picture I got was that God just wants his spirit, it's often represented like a rushing wind, just wants to come straight down into the middle of our issues and our problems and blow them out take them apart from the inside out, which is very different. A lot of times we like to just charge straight on, and we like to hit our problems from the outside because that's what we see. But as Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities, against our own selfish desires. How many of you know the biggest battles we fight is often against ourself? Yeah, we're, we're busier than a, a one-legged man in a you-know-what kicking contest. It's okay, you can laugh. I, I, I edited myself. We're okay. So we got struggles, we got obstacles, situations, people sometimes. A lot of times these struggles, they can be emotional, they can be physical, they can be spiritual, or a combination of all, all of those wrapped in together. So the question this morning, I feel like God wants us to ask us, is how First, before we can kind of get into it, how do we, normal, how do we normally deal with, with battles in life? Let's take a moment, just think about it. When, when you get that new battle, that new problem, maybe it's not a new one. Maybe it's a reoccurring one that keeps popping up over and over again. And you're like, ah! Anyone else feel like that? I, I feel like that. I've done that before. I've actually prayed, Ah! God understands that. That's a good prayer. That's an honest prayer. How do we deal with the battles of life? And I think this is an important question to, to ask ourselves because God wants us to know this morning that he has already given us victory. He has a plan for victory. Now, the thing we have to distinguish, I always believe in balance. The only thing we got to think, a lot of times we say, well, I've been wanting this to happen, I've been needing this to happen in my life, and God just hasn't done anything. Well, first, we have to make sure that, because there's a difference between God's plans and what we want, okay? We, we need to know that first. Otherwise, we're like, God, get it, get it. And God's like, the battle's not even there. It's over here. Or it's, it's deep down inside here first. So, so just think of that. So how do we deal with the battles of life? And I was, I was asking this question. I was thinking, you know, we all have different ways. But uh, how many of you like action movies? Or remember the old, uh, remember the movie Aliens where the 
the guy, the alien pops out of the dude's stomach, and, and they're, they're trapped. They are trapped in space, in a spaceship station. They can't go anywhere, and these aliens who, whose blood is acid are chasing them. That's, that's a battle. It's this insurmountable odd, and, and I was kind of thinking about it. So we kind of see in movies sometimes kind of caricatures of how we deal with battle sometimes. We've got what I call the freaker outer. You got the guy, he's like, they're all around us, man. We don't have a chance. And he's just freaking out. Was, I think that was Bill Paxton and Alien. He's like, well, they're all around us. And he was always negative. And he's like, we're just going to die, man. He's just freaking out. And everyone's just like, shut up. Let's just think. How many of you are a freaker outer? It's okay. It's safe here. This is no judge zone. Okay, we got a couple freaker outers. All right, you're freaking out. You're like, no, what are we going to do? The freaker outers, they often respond in a couple different ways. Sometimes they freeze. Want to lock up, go catatonic, just, no, 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 maybe it'll all go away. I've pinched myself hard enough, it's just a dream. Then you got the freaker outers who, they look for someplace to hide. Or you like, you see the one person in the battle, and they're like, this guy's big, and they're running behind him. Like, if he goes down, I'm just going to lay behind him. Sometimes freaker outers, they, they just run. You don't know what to do. It's, there's that fight or flight, and we just hightail it, and we're like, God, I know you want me to go there. I know you want me to do this in my life. I know you want me to overcome that, but I'm freaking out here. I'm just going to go back where I came from. And the crazy part is, a lot of times where we come from is worse than where we are. It's worse than the battle in front of us. We're going we're gonna to see that in this situation where God's people, God leaves them out of slavery. For generations, they've been enslaved. They were taken out of the land God promised them, had given them already. Now they're in slavery. They're being mistreated. They get out of that. They start facing battles, and they go, let's just go back. And that's the same thing that happens as God's moving us forward in the things that he's calling us to. It's not an easy road. There are battles that have to be fought. God always leads us into battles. He always leads us into battles. And unfortunately, what happens is then when we get to those battles, we have a choice to make. We can stand our ground, or we can run back to the slavery God is trying to bring us out of. Then you got the other person, the I call the gung ho guy or gal, and they 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 start getting overwhelmed and they just get mad, they just get angry, and they just have you seen it? They're like, their friends are going down, it's a chaos, and so finally they just like ah, they snap, they get all gung ho, and they're like ah, and they get the machine gun, they're standing out in the middle, just ah, and then they get shot like 20, 50 times, and some people are like they're so brave, they took it for their team. I'm like no, that's stupid. They should have been undercover listening. So you got the gung-ho person. They just get mad. They get, they get crazy, and they, they just charge at the situation. And then occasionally you get the cool-headed leader. Or maybe they were like a, a lower person. They were kind of overlooked, and things are going around, and the lieutenant's, he's the freaker outer now. So they're like, okay, let's remember our training. Let's remember we've been prepared for this. And they give that hoorah-rah speech, and they rally the troops, and they, they charge in, and they end up winning the battle. 
We all like to think we're that person. We love that person. That's John Wayne. We all think we're John Wayne or John Waynettes. You know, we, we're, uh, we all want to be the Duke. So in the book of Joshua, it's in the Old Testament, we have this account of the Battle of Jericho. So just a little perspective, a little history. Don't want to bore the rest of you, but Jericho was a, it was a city. You know, the Dead Sea, that, that salty lake in the, in the land of Israel, Palestine area, where you, you float in it. It's so salty. You lay in it, you actually float. You don't, need, you don't need swimmies or anything. You just float. So just a little bit north of that, to the left, there's this ancient city called Jericho. And, and this is a really old, it's one of the oldest, longing, permanent establishments since civilization, basically. It's pretty cool. And it's been hard for archaeologists because that city, there's always been something there, but it's been in this location, and it's been in this location, and it just kind of moves in this little fertile valley um, where there's a lot of palm trees and dates and things. But anyway, so it was a major, important city in ancient times. So you've got the, the Israelites, they've, they've God set them free. So uh, you can watch the movie Moses. It's not totally accurate, but give you an idea what's happening. They've been set free out of Egypt. So we all know King Pharaoh and the Egyptians, well, these, these were their main slaves. They, they enslaved an entire ethnic group of people. And so they've left now. Moses, is, he's led them out, and they, they end up wandering in the desert. There's a whole bunch more sermons in between there. They're wandering in the desert for a long time until finally the time comes. And this, this uh, young leader and the, the people named Joshua, he was the one that Moses was going to carry the people the rest of the way. So remember, this promise that's being lived out right now was given like hundreds and hundreds of years before to Abraham, who was the, the main descendant of this whole people group. They're returning back to where he stood in this area, and God said, I'm giving this to you. There's no one here. You can have it. They get led away eventually into slavery. They come back. It's like, this is yours. And what's, what's kind of amazing is even before they went in, they sent 10 spies to check out and say, let's go check it out. It's kind of like you're returning back to your house after being gone a long time. You've got to see what spiders, what things are going on. And in the, the area at that time, it was, it was kind of a wasteland. It, you had like warlords going all over the place. It's kind of like Mad Max a little bit. You had like these main cities where people had the power and there were these kings, but they had these armies and they weren't just. And so agriculture was, wasn't thriving. And it, it just looked, it looked bad. And there was all these bad guys running around. And so... Eight of the spies said, we don't want to go there. They said, we don't, we don't want to go there. These people are crazy. Um, let's just go back. Two said, no, we see the promise that God has given us, and it's there for us. We just have to go and take it because it's God who's giving it to us. So two had the perspective. And so they, God gives us promises in our lives. How many of you read your Bible? There's some cool promises in there. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, the one thing God never promised, he promises beautiful things. He promises purpose. He promises life abundantly. He promises joy. He promises peace. That doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect by any means. It doesn't mean there's going to be, not going to be battles. But in the midst of the battle, we can be calm. We can be collective. We can know that our promise is just on the other side of that battle. And so they've gotten to this point where their promise is right there, but there's a battle between them and their promise. 
And so others saw these battles as, as, as impassable signs, and the other two said, no, these are just, just things God's going to move out of the way. So we get to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. So this main Jericho, this was the one controlling main power in this. If they, if they take control of this, if they can get these, these bad guys out and destroyed, they can bring peace and bring justice and, and help start cultivating this land. So when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. So he sees this, this impressive individual there, sword in his hand. He, in his mind, he thinks it's a, a normal human being. With a sword in hand, Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or are you foe? I love Joshua. He, wasn't, he, was, he was always ready to go. Are you with us or against us? Verse 14. Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Stop right there. This hit me last night. I'm reading this for umpteen times, and this hit me. He says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. And his response to, are you friend or foe, was neither one. That would make me a little nervous. I don't know about you. So I think it maybe made him a little nervous. We see what happens. At this, Josh fell with his, Joshua fell with his, I call him Josh. Joshua fell with his face on the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? See, I think what Joshua recognized, what this, this divine person sent from God was saying, it's up to you. It's your choice whether you're on my side. What he was saying was, you don't have a side. Because a lot of times what we like to do is say, God, are you on my side or not? God, why are you on their side? Why, why always them and not me? And we try to bring God into our side and make God see things our way. And the reality is, we don't get away. There is God's way. And God was saying, are you on my side? Are you for or against me? He was saying, who are you to dare say, are you friend or foe? I am the I am. Joshua's like, whoa, okay, I get it. Boom, I'm at your command. God has given us promises, but we're not going to get there under our commands. We're going to get there by following God's commands, by following God's lead. It's his armies, it's his power, it's his authority that overtakes, overruns, and destroys the strongholds and the, and the, the issues that are not of God that, that we struggle and we battle against. The commander of, of the Lord's army replied, so he said, I'm going to do what you want, whatever you want us to do, I'm your servant, let's, let's do it. So the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did what he was told. So we're going to go through, uh, it's kind of cool, it turned out to be like seven things we can pull out of, of the, what we're going to be reading here. Seven things that you can really look at that I think we can draw out of this passage to help us face the battles that we have in life. Now the Old Testament, it's, 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 it's violent, it's gruesome. There's some really not nice things in there. 
And the things that are recorded in the Old Testament, they're not recorded to justify violence and hatred. Not at all. God had those things recorded to help us see how much we fall short in accomplishing things in our own efforts. The violence and the hatred in the Old Testament, that is the mirror of us. In the New Testament, we see Christ, who is the mirror of God. And we see which image we really are to be taking. Even in the Old Testament, though, we see, we see the common themes of faithfulness, forgiveness, justice echoed. And we see the glimpses of that, of that image that was to come. So, it's a, so if, if you get a little overtaken sometimes by the imagery of the, the Old Testament, no, it's, it's, it's there for a reason. And we cannot ever read or interpret the Old Testament without using the lenses of Christ on the cross. We can never make doctrine or theology without Christ on the cross being the center of it. So one, he says, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. So I think the first things we can take from this is that God does not lead us to a battle and him not there with us. And if God is there with us, we are on holy ground. Right in the midst, straight up, face to face, with the worst problem you can face, there is holy ground right there. It's hard for us to think of sometimes. When we face conflict, when we face struggles, and we feel as though God is so far removed from us, God would say to us, take off your shoes, humble yourself, I am with you, this is holy ground. That's powerful. We are to humble ourselves before God and recognize the power and authority he has to overcome our situation. Do we really believe that the opposite to what God has promised us is going to be anything compared to the angelic armies of God? Do we really believe that the thing that we are facing is more powerful and has more power over us than the power of God? It does if we don't do what Joshua did. And he took off his shoes. He said, God is here. This is holy ground. And he humbled himself and said, I'm following your lead. So when we face a battle, oftentimes what happens? I don't know about, about you, but I, I enjoy um, combat sports. I've trained. I worked in a, a semi-violent job for a while. I think my wife was glad when I wasn't doing it anymore. Um, but oftentimes there would be conflict. There would be confrontation. And as soon as someone or something happened and they were like you you went like this. Like right away. Like you know, we, we, we wore kind of tactical shoes and we had bulletproof vests and we had all the stuff on our belts and, and we used it. And I'm not lying, it was kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's the sin nature in me. Uh, but there was a natural response. And there's a natural response, at least, I, not everyone has it, but as soon as there's this battle, this struggle, and this happens in life and other situations, my brain says, I got this. 
Let's suit up, lock and load. Shh, shh. I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> I hate it. Okay, side note, this is not spiritual at all. I hate it when they keep doing this. Shh, shh, shh. Like every time they turn around the corner, you haven't fired any. If you know anything about firearms, it's crazy. It's, all right, anyway. It's like someone talking about God who doesn't read their Bible. There, we made it spiritual. All right. So we lock and load. We, we gear up. We get ready for battle. We're like, let's do this. And we, or we freak out and we go into our whatever mode we go into. We talked about those, you know, the different modes. When we get to a place of struggle, when we get to a place of battle, when we get to a place where fear, and I don't care if you were the bravest soldier, marine, whatever on the face of the earth, there is always fear. If there's not, you're stupid. You're going to be the guy out there in the middle of doing this, getting shot. When we face that, that fear hits, we go into fight or flight. And for some of us, I, you're like, yeah, let's do it. We need to stop. When we get to a situation, when we realize this is beyond us, we need to stop, take off your shoes. Maybe not literally if you've got stinky feet, but spiritually, let's take off our shoes. When you go into battle, you don't fight barefoot. You protect your feet. You get ready. The shoes, they represented, those sandals represented digging in and being immovable. What he did is he took off his shoes. He took off all the dirt, all the, the shame that represented in that soil, all that fear. He took it off and recognized that God was in the situation and that he was standing on holy ground and he just worshiped God. Take off the shoes. Humble ourselves before God. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. It's, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town. See this theme? Keep on marching. Should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And these, these horns, they often, they were what they used uh, in worship. It's what they used in worship, and they could use them in battle cries, but um, they wanted to carry these horns. On the seventh day, you were to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horn. So once a day, go around it, blowing your horns. On the seventh day, go around it seven times. Has anyone ever been in the military or studied, studied military tactics? This is weird, okay? This is not what they tell you to do at West Point. Verse 5, when you hear the priest... Give one long blast on the ram's horn. Have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can, can charge straight into the town. So Joshua, verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest again carried the ark. So they did this once. I'm kind of paraphrasing here for time. They, they did it once. They did exactly what God said. In fact, they were so careful, and this is important for us, Joshua told them, this is what God told us to do. Go around it, blow these trumpets. He said, don't shout a war cry. 
we look back and read it through on your own later, he says, don't give a war cry, don't give a shout, don't try to intimidate the enemy with your own prowess. He said, be silent. He was following God's instructions. Yeah, and just think of the psychological torment that actually would have had on the enemy. Thanks for pointing that out. Like, normally they're used to, ah, you know, getting themselves worked up in the frenzy or, you know, the rugby teams that are, like, doing the, the New Zealand thing and are hanging out their tongues. They're doing all that. Instead, these guys are just walking around. <laughs> Silently. And they got the pansy priests in the robes blowing horns. What the heck? This is creepy, man. How do you fight crazy? Like they're probably hanging over the wall going, come at me, bro. Like something. Second day, Joshua got up early the next morning. And the priests again carried the ark. Now remember, the ark of the covenant, God's tangible presence rested, was represented in this thing. As if they were literally carrying, and they were, the presence of of God with them. The cool thing is, we now through Christ get that within ourselves and don't have to die because of it. it. This was a dangerous thing. Like, talk about nuclear weapons, they had the presence of God with them. Maybe there's a reason why God was saying, don't try to do this on your own. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns. Uh, and behind the ark of the Lord, all this time the priests were blowing their horns. But their lips were tired at the end of that. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. I'm sure... You imagine they're on the wall, they're like, great, here come the nut jobs again. whoop de woo They're going to get tired and thirsty eventually. We got all this food, we're good. Let's just let the crazy, never wrestle a crazy person, okay? Actually, I was told that once, my old job, uh, I'm probably digressing here too much, but uh, I was getting ready to take my lunch break, and I put my card in, and my guy I worked with said, oh, nope, going to not do that, we got a naked guy in the bathroom. And I got some very wise advice from a Minneapolis police officer. He said, boys, we never want to wrestle with a naked man. So anyway, so, so they were probably seeing these guys come out crazy. And, and they're walking around, and they're like, let's, just, let's not mess with these people, okay? They're crazy. Let's just hang out. They're going to come out and do their one, one deal. And, but they get out, and they do their one. And they're like, oh, okay, let's go back. And then they hear... What are they doing? They're still going around. And they go around two. They go around three. They go around four. They go around five. They go around six. They go around seven times. The seventh time around, verse 16, the seventh time around, the priests sounded the long blast on their horns. Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. He didn't say you've earned it. He said, God has given it to you. 17, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. 
And there's a whole other side story. It's a beautiful story about this woman who was a, a, a prostitute. And she wasn't even part of them. And, and she recognized God. And she said, hey. And she helped them out. And, she, and they were, she was brought in to safety. So her and her entire household and servants, everyone with her, were spared. But she protected the spies. We'll get into that story another time. But, so we just read through that. So we talked about, one, God is with us in the situation. We're in holy ground. Take off the shoes. Humble ourselves before God. You can't fight a battle with pride. We're not going to hear the voice of God give us the commands we need to overcome the situation if our hearts are full of pride. Or if it does, we're going to hear the voice of God and we're always going to say, yeah, but I got a better plan. To get rid of the yow buts, I have a better plan, we need to just humble ourselves, take off the shoes. Uh, second thing we just see as we go through this, do it God's way. So if you're taking notes, one, take off your shoes, humble yourself before God. Two, do it God's way. Joshua followed the divine instructions given to him to a T. How many of you have ever had a situation where someone's called and asked you to do something and you didn't do it exactly the way they told you to and then it didn't go right and then you're kind of embarrassed and like, yeah, it didn't work. And they're like, well, did you do it? And they're like, no, I thought this might be easier. Now I get why you told me. Okay. Do it God's way. Our ways are not nearly as productive as God's ways. God's ways are going to seem crazy. You imagine when, when God was, when, I mean, fortunately Joshua had this encounter. I can't imagine what his men were like. Okay, Joshua, um, this is our first major battle that we've gone into. I know we were, you were put in charge, but this is crazy. But think of the faith of the people to follow that. The people in the battle themselves, they didn't break ranks. You always get that one guy in the movies like, this is stupid, and he just runs at the wall, and the battle starts too quick ahead of time. No, they, every one of them were complete unity, following the instructions God gave them. They were doing it God's way. So two, do it God's way. Three, don't go into battle without God. Don't go into battle without God. You know, we can do things God's way, but without him. That doesn't go so well. We say, well, I'm, I'm doing this in my life. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. Um, and we can do these things, and these are great things, but there's a, times where we can do these things apart from actually engaging and interacting with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God. Because we're reading Scripture, we're in there digging to justify ourselves or to prove a point or to look for the answer we want. Or when we're praying, we're praying to God, but prayer is a dialogue, and we never once stop to listen to the instructions from God. Instead, so the whole time we're telling God what He needs to do and how He needs to march around our situation. And so it's not enough to follow the instructions, but three, we also got to do it with God in partnership with Him. They took the ark. They took God's presence with them. Don't go into battle. Don't even try until you've taken time to just rest and sit in the presence of God. And know without a doubt that you're hearing the voice of God. And sometimes we, don't, we need to call other people with us, around us, to pray with us, to encourage us. God gives us the different gifts, and we need people with discernment to say, yeah, you know what, this is right, I think God's calling you and leading you to do this. Then we know for, without a doubt that we're going into it with God with us. Fourth thing, fighting a battle. 
surround the situation with praise to God. They were walking around that wall. What were they really doing? In fact, at the end where it said destroy everything, they actually ended up, uh, they were to burn everything in the city. Almost like when they would uh, have the sacrifice and they would burn it. Every aspect of this was to be given to God. This was all about, about God in this situation. And so this, this whole battle was to glorify God. They praised God. The strongest weapon God gives you is the ability to praise him. God is with us. Our role in life is to, to take what he has freely given us, live it out, and let the world around us know who our God is. And as they begin to know who our God is, they can accept him, and they are set free. Their battles begin to be taken over by God. Surround the situation with praise of God. They blew their trumpets as they marched, as they went around that city. So when you get that situation, don't walk around that situation mumbling, going, oh, this person, that person, no, there's so much, and I don't know where the money's going to come from, this and this and this and this. Instead, march around that situation going, you know, God is good. God is greater than this. God has a plan. I'm going to trust him and praise him. We see that in the New Testament. Paul and Silas they're in prison. They're in jail. They've been beaten. They've been threatened. And you know what they did? They worshiped God. And as they began to worship God, the chains fell off their arms. The prison doors came off. And not only were they set free, the people around them were set free. Same thing was happening here. As the Israelites, they were conquering the city. Not only were they conquering the city, but the other ethnic groups, the other people that were under oppression in that area were set free by them conquering Jericho. How cool is that? Surround the situation with praise to God. Five, don't stop marching. Title of our sermon this morning, Have Faith and Trust God. They marched for seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. What would have happened if they got to day two, day three, day four, and said, this is taking too long, this is stupid? How many times are we one praise one prayer, one moment away from victory in our lives, but we walk away. Or we decide, God, your, your way is not doing it, and so we decide to rush in and do it our way. I can tell you exactly what would have happened. If day six, they had rushed that wall and said, enough, so we've, we've done a good job, they would have not seen the promises God had given them come to fruition. God is gracious. He would have cleaned them up, and he would have later brought them back around. God is gracious. He does this. Because some of us have had that happen. We may have promises in our lives right now that we feel have been taken away, that we're never going to see again. And God's saying, no, that's not true. I am a God who is a God of grace. I am a God of, God of power. Take your shoes off. Get with me. Let's get to the next battle and get to the promised land. Get to what God is calling us to. Don't stop marching. Don't stop following instructions. Don't stop praising God. Don't stop until that victory happens. The one big thing we see throughout the New Testament is Jesus constantly saying, persevere. Don't give up. Don't stop. Now I got the song, don't stop believing in my head. 
That's good. That can help you. Anytime you want to give up and you, and you want to start doing your own thing, just have a moment. Stop. Get together with Jesus and start singing, Don't Stop Believing. All right? It'll help you. Six, shout. Shout. Shout it on out. Man, this is like an 80s thing. What is going on? Declare the victory. Celebrate what God is going to do before, during, and after the victory. He said, go around, praise God, and at that moment, God says, all right, it's time. You shout and you thank God for it. You may not see it yet. It may not yet happen, but there's that time when you're praying and you're interceding for something, and, and you know, and you're like, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, and you, you walk you're metaphorically, you're walking around that problem as you pray and worship God. And finally, there's that moment this peace just hits you. And you know that you know. You don't know how yet, but you know that you know that God is moving and that it's done. And you shout. And you take hold of that. And you praise God. And, it, and you just feel, even spiritually in the spirit realm, you feel those walls. You feel that oppression. You feel those chains come off. Shout. Number seven, and this can happen. God will do something amazing in our life. Hopefully, we've all had battles with that struggles. We've all had the good times, too. We've all, I think, probably have experienced God's faithfulness and how good God is. This is where we get stupid sometimes. God does something. We're like, yay, God. Ooh, so good. And then we're like, yeah, I, I really did that. I'm, I'm good stuff, man. I am super Christian. And we start taking the credit for it. Or we get a little prideful. We're like, yeah. You know, you see the, in the, you know, you see a couple fights or something on the playground. And the one kid's got the big kid. And the big, his best friend actually is the one who handles the problem. But now he's like, yeah, we got this. I'm like, no, your, your buddy just handled that, you know. We get, we get a little silly. So seven, this is what happened. All that credit and honor goes to God. God wins the battle. He deserves the spoil. When they took Jericho, God said, do not take a thing for yourself. They're going into a land that agriculturally needs to be cultivated. It's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. Their faithfulness is going to bring that about. So this place was a storehouse. They had stored up. They had hoarded all this stuff. They had all these textiles, everything inside it. And God said, don't touch any of it. It's all mine. God did not want them to be prideful. He did not want them to get tainted with the same evil and the same, uh, the same issues. And so as a, that was there. So a lot of times we want to, we, we, God brings us through a situation. And then right away we want to jump into the things of the world and celebrate. Or we begin to to take on and take away. And what we're doing a lot of times in, in this is if they were taking those things, to the victor goes the spoils. That, that was ancient rules. And so what God was saying is he was reminding them. He said, look, I know this is a sacrifice, but kind of see that theme. We're always to give God our first and our best. This was their first battle. So that was God's. God's like, look, you're tithing this to me. And so all the metal, all the precious silver, that went into the temple that went to, to help, and he said, don't touch it. And there's a sad story where somebody did take something. And we see this, this parallel, we'll talk about this at a later time, where you see this person on the outside brought into the family of God, and this person that was on the inside 
walked in rebellion and stole and is now on the outside. But all the credit and honor goes to God. When God moves in our lives, when God does something, we need to thank him. We need to already be thanking him beforehand. But thank God. We need to give God credit. One thing we need to even do is, there's, I mean, God gives us different giftings and abilities, and God uses those. And even when we're, like, we're firing on all pistons, and we're just awesome, and we're on it, and we do something great for God, always, always point to God. Always, always give him credit. Because we would not be where we are. We would not be who we are if it were not for him. And our goal is to point people to Christ, not to us. We don't say, here, I'm the answer. We say, hey, there's the answer. Follow me as I follow Christ. All credit and honor goes to God. Let's pray.